You're listening to the Young Adults of Calvary Tabernacle. For more information, visit us online at www.ctyoungadults.com. Amen. Praise the Lord. How are you all tonight? Good to be in Young Adult Service. Thank you for those nice remarks, Brother Derek. And uh, glad to be here. Let's turn our Bibles, and then I'll won't hold you too long. To Joshua chapter number two. I need to, the kids are coming, you can hear them. Do I need this mic on at all or just this one? Just this one? I'll push that out of the way. Joshua chapter 2. I have uh, preached this before in a sense and uh, in a different way and it's just a scripture that's been on my heart. In fact, I mentioned it a couple Sunday nights ago maybe, just this passage of scripture of this woman uh, whom... The Bible tells us saw that the power of the God of Israel, and she decided to make a deal with the spies who came in. And uh, it's a portion of Scripture that really spoke to me, I don't know, a while ago. And, and since then, I've kind of had it in my heart, in my mind, and preached it here and there. And I want to preach it tonight uh, under this thought. You determine what belongs to God. You determine what belongs to God. Let's read this Scripture. Uh, let's start at... Verse 15, then she let them down by a cord through the window, her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall, and she said to them, get you to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. And the men blessed her, and said unto her, and the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made with us swear. Behold, when we come into this land, Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household thee home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. She sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. I want to talk to you, as I mentioned, you determine what belongs to God. Thank you for this opportunity. This is a wonderful opportunity to speak to you. And uh, would you just ask the Lord with me now, for let's lift our voices and ask him to strengthen us and speak to us by his word. Lord. We ask you by your spirit and by your power. Thank you for your word. It's anointed. Thank you for this great group. Pray that you'd help us now to receive from your word what you desire us to receive. Your word is so great, Lord. I really do thank you for the power of your word. We come before you claiming your blood, asking you to speak to us now. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I, I've grown up working now with young people and uh, grown up. Well, they grew me up, I guess I should say, working with young people. I've been around it now for eight years or so, was youth pastor, and then I've been gotten to work as a district youth secretary and just preach youth revivals. When I was evangelizing, the majority of uh, what I did 
uh, was uh, youth revivals. It was interesting how the Lord was kind of preparing maybe me for youth ministry. I preached a lot of youth revivals, but that was never what I would have guessed. Uh, but the Lord kind of knows what he's doing. And uh, in all the things that I saw, one thing in dealing with young people is there's this labeling process. It's just always a label attached to young people. I'll never forget when I went into uh, a high school one time to do a, I was in, uh, I don't know, it was one of the largest high schools in Minnesota. I was preaching up there and they asked me to come and do the Bible class or the school Bible they had a Bible study group early in the morning. I walked in, and I, I had been raised at Calvary Christian School, and uh, at least in high school. And when I came in, I was absolutely flabbergasted to see the different cliques and groups. And it was like walking in, it was just like you had the kind of jocks over here in this group, and it was like just group after group, and they were all huddled because the bell hadn't rung yet. And I just walked in, and I thought, you either fit somewhere or you are just an oddball like I am standing here because I don't have any of the right clothes on to fit in any of these groups. Now, they're all different, but that labeling process is amazing from the time that we're teenagers, but it doesn't stop. And really, if I could talk to you about something, I would talk to you in this sense. There is, I get tired of the labeling process that the devil and the world tries to do in our lives, and it goes beyond, I've dealt with it with teenagers but I'm older now, and the devil's still trying to label things in my life. It's like he has a label gun, and he likes to walk into my house every once in a while and try and say, that's mine, this is mine, this belongs to the world, that belongs to the world. I get sick of it. I get tired of it. I get a little frustrated when uh, sickness comes in, and the devil immediately just comes in and says, I'm going to label you as never going to be healed. Might as well lose your faith. When trial comes and the devil comes and just immediately pulls out his label gun and says, you're not going to make it. You won't be used of God. That's what the devil tries to do. Uh, It's nice to, you know, be able to break that label. I was playing basketball not too long ago with the young men, and it wasn't the old married men. It was the young men, I think. Call it the old married men night on Monday night and the young men around Thursday night. And, you know, they're always giving me a hard time, especially some that I was over as youth pastor in youth group, and they give me a hard time. Well, they were out there giving me a hard time, and some of them were just a couple years out of uh, school, high school. And when they're in high school, they, you know, maybe they were three years. When they're in high school, they could jump up and grab the rim, and you know, they were really in shape and all that. Well, they had lost that ability. They had gained some weight. It was interesting. With just a couple years out of high school done, and they were trying to j- run and jump up and grab the rim. And uh, they couldn't do it. And I said, fellas, fellas. (laughs) And they're as tall as me. And I said, now, let me show you. I'm 14 years, 16 years out of high school. And I wound back up. And I went up. And I grabbed that rim and held on for a second. And, man, when I came down, I felt good. I just kind of looked at him. I said, who's the old man in the gym now? You know, That labeling process that they're always, you're so old. You know, they give me that, that whole thing. And so... I really felt good. I broke that labeling process. I heard of a, uh, uh, you know, labeling is, is just, it's an interesting thing in this world. I'm setting a foundation. I know I'm taking my time, but it's just insane how we live in a world that is just marking things and labeling things. I get tired of Hollywood's labels. I get tired of uh, probably one of the craziest things that our world has done. You may disagree with me is, these medicines that they're putting into every kid and putting on people because of psych problems and 
I know it's, there's people who have trouble, but you know, not every kid has is, is got an issue. Sometimes they just need some help, some strength, some love. And they've labeled people and they're addicted to things in this world. I read the other day, 50% of people are addicted to prescription drugs that get on them or something like that. It's just the labeling, the putting into people's lives. We're living in a world that labels and marks and identifies. And it doesn't go just outside of the church. It happens in the church sometimes by the world and by the devil. little girl was uh, coloring everything in gray. Let me give you an example. I don't know if this is true or not, but it illustrates the point. little girl was coloring everything in gray. And the teachers begin to get worried, and they begin to <coughs> send notes home, and they needed to have an appointment with the teachers and all that, so they brought the little girl in, and they said, we are really disturbed about this little girl. She's only coloring in gray, and, and you know, that's a sign of, you know, some emotional stress or something going on. And so they sat her down, and they asked her, every project she's brought in, she's colored in gray, and they said, now, whatever her name was, and Lizzie, I think it was, they said, Lizzie, what's going on? And she's why are you only coloring gray? She said, I lost all my other crayons. You've got to be careful with this labeling thing. Now, that's the world's process, but I illustrate all that to say that it happens every day in our lives, that the world and the devil, and, and, and if, you're, if, if you think you're too clever for it, you've missed it because the devil has an agenda to label you. And when this or that happens, all of a sudden he comes in and starts throwing out labels, just saying, come on, it's never going to happen. It's not going to make it. I've come to tell you, the devil does not determine what makes it with God. The devil has no control over your life. This is just a simple thought, but help me preach tonight, and you're, you're helping me. I mean, but understand what I'm trying to say. I hope this doesn't seem too simple for you, that what you do, what you put into the hands of God matters more than the trial, the circumstance, what the devil says, all these things that come against you. It does not matter if you put it into the hands of God. When this woman, it's amazing to me, her faith. Now, this is a woman living inside the walls of Jericho, mind you. She's living inside the fortress of the powerful city of that day. She's living inside where everybody in Jericho laughs at those outside and says, nobody can penetrate us. But this woman is interesting to me. She finds something different than the people that are living with her in that city. She begins to say, you know what? We may live in this great fortress, Jericho, but there's something about the God of Israel. In fact, when they come in, it must have been interesting when she looked at them and began to say, now, your God is the one who did the Red Sea, and your God is the God who did this, and your God. Now, this is not somebody living outside the walls. This is somebody living within the, you have a right to be proud and to be, to be excited. We're Jericho, and she says, no, I understand something. There's something different about your God. He's a powerful God. He's a mighty God. Why is it that we get so mixed up sometimes when we're serving God and living for God, and God's done so much for us already, and the devil comes in and says, now, it's not going to happen. You might as well just quit right now. You might as well just give up right now. It's not going to work out. And here's a lady living inside of Jericho, and she can say, you know what? I don't care what everybody around me says. Your God makes a difference. Your God is able to deliver and heal and save. And she had this ability to persuade these men that she believed in their God. That, that inspires me that someone could look out and say, there's a difference in this God. I would tell you that you need to first of all understand that our God is not held and bound by anything. 
You've heard that all your life. But we get into every once in a while, and that's why, I, I, you know, I, I could I, I think of the sermon sometimes, and I think, wow, you know, this is just so simple. It's just something I've heard all my life, but yet I keep coming back to things that I compartmentalize as God can handle this, but he can't handle that. God can do this, but he can't do that. God's able here, but he's not able there. And all the while, there's a woman in Jericho saying, I know about your God, and he can do something in my life. I got to tell you, she was not distracted by this world. She was not distracted by the power of the great city of Jericho. She was not distracted by somehow what they had accomplished. Boy, if this preached in a week like right now, it preaches. I am a little bit concerned about what's going on in America. I'm a little bit concerned about what we've done and the things that were, you may, however you feel about it, things are changing. Society is, is molding into a different form. It's just, it, uh, it, it's absolutely coming to some things I don't even understand. And in the midst of all that, being raised in church, sometimes I look out and go, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? And here's a woman who was not distracted by that, even even in the midst of the world, said, your God's able to do it. Can I just tell you, whatever is distracting you, whatever pulls at you, whatever tells you God can't do it, you better get your eyes on God and say, he's able to do what he said he would do. She wasn't distracted. I, I, I love that illustration by, and I've used it many times by Hank Aaron, the great baseball player. I, I'm not, I don't try and use too many sports ones, but Hank Aaron was getting ready to bat, and the, pitch, the catcher was trying to mess with him, and he said, now, perhaps you've heard this, he said, now, you, you, you're not going to be able to hit this. Your bat is facing the wrong direction. He said, I can't, you know, you can't read the, the description on it. It's facing the wrong direction. And Hank Aaron didn't think. Pitch came, and he said, I'm telling you, you know, he swung and missed, and he said, your bat, the, the lettering on the bat is facing the wrong direction. It's facing the wrong direction. And Hank Aaron didn't say anything. Second pitch, maybe swung and struck again, and the catcher's having a good old time. He said, now I'm telling you, you're, you're, the lettering on your bat is facing the wrong direction. The words, it's all wrong. And the third pitch came or whatever, and Hank just smashed it out of the park, and he was running the bases. And when he came back to the home plate, I imagine he kind of just stepped on it, rubbed his foot, and he said, let me tell you something. I didn't come here to read. I came here to hit the ball. I don't know what it would take for us to get like this woman, but to just say, I don't know what, you, you know, devil, you're trying to distract me with some things right now. God's got a purpose in my life, and I'm here to tell you, I didn't come here to mess with what you tell me he can't do. I came here to tell you that I'm going to put some things into his house and into his hands, and he's going to do it, and he's going to work it out in my life. He's going to come through in my life. I didn't come here to discuss all the distractions that the world's got going on and all the things and the trials I don't understand. I've come to tell you my God is able and he's powerful and you determine. You determine what belongs to God. If the devil could get it, he would get that black marker like he does in our house when we're spring cleaning and we put all the stuff and, and, and we just start marking and putting the tape and writing and he'd shelf it in your life and just compartmentalize it and say, you know what, you might as well give up on this. But I've come to tell you, take the marker out of his hand and say, God gave me a ministry, God gave me a purpose, God gave me a promise, God gave me a plan and you don't have the right to it, Satan. You don't have the right to it, trial. You don't have the right to it, discouragement. You don't have the right to it, everything that coming at me I know I can't understand why it seems this way but my God's in control and I will give him what I promised I will give him and this woman said all right I'll make a deal with you uh, can I just help you out 
and then you save my family. And I love the strength of this woman because she not only began to say, you know what, now, now most of us might have, maybe we wouldn't have, but I believe most of us would have stopped at some point, but she just kept going. I, she just kept kind of saying, can I do this? Can I, can I have my brethren? Can I have my father? Can I have my sisters? And she just kept going. wasn't just concerned about her. There was something in there that said, there's some things I want to put in the hands of God. When you begin to take things out of God's hands is when you're going to get in the mess. But when you keep putting it into the hands of God and you get a fervency like this lady that said, you know what? I'm tired of messing that with my flesh. I'm putting that in the hands of God. I'm tired of trying to do this. God, can you take care of this? Would I put that in your hands? And he'll say, yeah. You say, I'm tired of messing with this. I've been trying to figure it out all myself. And that woman said, you know what? I'm going to keep asking you. Can I bring this to the house? And they finally said, whatsoever is in your house is going to be saved. I was reading that one day, and I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. We always think of God as the house of Israel, the camp of Israel. And I can imagine there was people going back to the camp and saying, you know, we're going to have victory. God's going to be with us. Whatever in that camp, whatever's in this camp, God's going to protect. But there was a woman in the middle of Jericho who had an understanding. She thought, whatever's in this house, it's like being in the camp of Israel. It might as well just take it out and put it out there, because if God's going to do it, he said he would, then he's going to take care of this. Can I just tell you, in the middle of a world, that is pushing and pressing your barriers and telling you this and that ain't going to happen. If you determine to say, God, I'll give you something, you might as well put it in the camp of Israel and say God's got his hand on it. He's got his eye on it. I'm telling you, things will come against you, but you just say, it's like it's in the camp of Israel. God's got his hand on it. So she basically just came to these men and said, you know what? I want my house to be like the house of Israel. I want it to be just like it would be out there. And God said, all right, that kind of faith he met and he took care of her and everything, of course, that was in there. In fact, the, the wonderful story is that when Joshua got there, they came back and jo told Joshua and Joshua said yes. And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 22, they're in the midst of the fight and, then, and, and everything's coming against. And he said, now, wait a minute. He found those two men. He said, I want you to go find that lady. And I want to make sure that nothing, everything is spared in her heart. Not let nothing, her blood, that family's blood is upon our hands. God knows how to take care of you. Past failures. Well, there's one that I, I've dealt with most of my life. I've dealt with past failures. There's some things I, I like to say, you know what? And that's where the devil really gets out his label gun. It says, now that's mine. Huh, that is mine. There's things in my teenage life. There's things in my ministry. There's things in my... Just, just my personal life, my walk with God. I'd like to say, boy, I wish I'd never done that. And the devil goes, starts getting that clicker out. He starts trying to label it. And you know the difference is? It still can be put into the hands of God. Past failures can be say, taken and said, you know what? Here you go, God. This is my most messed up. This is my moment that's the worst. And, and, and most people would say, well, that's the devil's thing. No, you can even take that and put it in the house of God and say, God, now you take care of that. You help me with it. I, 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 wish, I wish I could tell you how many times that people have just tried to tell me as a minister, once I get this straightened out, I'll come to church. Or once I get this straightened out, I'm going to let God do what he wants to do in my life. Once I get this straightened out, God's going to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Once I get this straightened out, and God's saying, no, this woman did not have that. She just said, you, you know, I mean, she was a harlot. She had all these things in her life, but she said, I know the power of God. And God said, if you had that kind of faith, you build you a little house and you put everything in it. Can I just tell you, do not let past failures become the label process in your life.
most of us are pretty young in this room, and, 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 and I'm speaking to young adults. Just how, I know you got some things that come into your life as young teenagers and some things you wish you'd never thought of and never done, and maybe already you just kind of made some mistakes and some regrets. And I, I'm here to tell you, if the devil wants to mark anything, he wants to mark that, but you've got to take that out of his hand and say, that still belongs to God. And devil, you can't have it. I will have a walk with God. I will serve him. I will have a purpose. You determine what belongs to God. Get it out of his head. Just kind of tell him. I'm tired of you trying to have, you, you know my past. But I do remember the blood that was shed on Calvary. And the blood still cleanses from all sin. The blood still takes care of all of that. People who read the small print always come out better. People who take that moment to read. I get so frustrated. I, I, I find something I think is a great deal. Then I read the small print. Only to be shocked. You know, you, you sign up. Pretty soon you're getting emails you never thought. Charges are showing up on your credit card you never thought. They just wanted my credit card to secure in case of this or that. People who read the small print always come out. When you allow just a, and, and this is probably where I think we battle, and I hope you'll battle in your life. When you allow just the humanistic spirit of this world to just label you. And there is a laziness in the labeling system of this world. There's a laziness in the, how do I want to say this with being careful? People that are struggling with things with God are listening to a movie, are listening to a Hollywood theory, are listening to somebody who's, not in the church. People who are struggling, usually with some type of labeling in their life, have just bought into some philosophy they heard. They got it off a song. One emotional moment in a song, and they're like, that's right, that's who I am. I, I, remember, I remember the power of music. When I was a teenager, and, and <laughs> this is, I think about this in a silly way, but, but <laughs> you know, when I was going through a romantic problem, and that romantic song would come on the radio, you know, and I would buy in emotionally to it somehow, like, yes, that's me, I'll be up again. I'll be over this. And now I know that was just some cheap, silly thought, some cheap, silly song that somebody wrote, and they're making hundreds of dollars off of it, and I'm a 16, 17-year-old thinking I'm in love, and my heart's broken. Don't. Break my heart, Mike. No, no, I don't know. <laughs> I come to tell you, there's a difference in living a lazy life of just letting philosophy of philosophy have to come into your life. And people, you want, here's what I want to tell you, and this is where I'm going with this, is people that break the labeling system get in the word of God. They find out the detail that says, you know what, God overcame that. God dealt with that. This or that that I'm dealing with, God has a specific scripture for it. He has a plan for it. Can I tell you, if you are just living, and, and this is me, living aimlessly sometimes by some emotion or some feeling or something, and you're not looking to the word of God, you, you know where you're missing it. God's got that word. He's got that scripture. And the small print sometimes, the somebody that just says, I'm going to look out. You know, I'm tired of the devil harassing me. Let me get into scripture. Let me see about it. 
And at this age, you're really, as young adults, we're starting to press things and move things. Can I tell you, it's the time to get in the Word of God and quit letting the world label things in your life and tell you how to instruct you and try and move you and manipulate you with philosophy. Get in and get that print, that small print that God said, I'll do this, I'll use you, I'll change you, I'll make your life this way. And so, I don't know where it was, but this woman somehow, and that's what I see about her, she somehow, in the midst of Jericho, she knew a lot about Israel. She had gotten into, and I don't know if it was the word, but, but there's scripture that leads. She, she just began to talk to them about what was going on. She was adept. For we have heard how the Lord dried up. Listen to these words from this woman. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And when you came out of Egypt, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on their side of the Jordan, Sihon and Agog, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our heart did melt. There was something in her that was aware. She had kept maybe, I don't know, some uh, memory. And, and, and to the things that she heard about God, she had documented it in her life, checked it away, put it in. Can I tell you, don't just follow after the lame philosophy that's the world. Get into the word and the labeling process will be broken in your life. The word breaks that labeling process. You determine what belongs to God. Uh, your, knife, your life needs to be secured to something. Past failures. Let me just deal with one more thing. I love Peter. I love Peter when God said, Thou art Peter and upon this rock. I will build my church. And then just a few, a little while later, Peter's out there denying the Lord. But his life was in the hands of God. And then you see Peter, who somehow comes back and fights through all this and says, you know what, I gave God my life. And then that Peter who is given the keys to the kingdom and who makes a mistake is standing on the day of Pentecost and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And preaches the message that proclaims to us this wonderful truth and gospel. Because... Failures don't mark out what the devil has in your life. God, you determine what belongs to God. You, you, you need to get it secured. I'm coming close to close. Your life needs to be secured in the hand of God. You need to set it up to succeed. This, this woman had it figured out. She was purposeful and she was deliberate in her action. And she said, I will put into God's hands the things that I want to be saved. You determine right now, and even my age, just as young people, as people growing, and I think it goes even into old age, but you, you determine what belongs to God. But perhaps in this age it's so vulnerable that we're at. See, young families and young adults, and I'm telling you, we, we make a difference right now where we end up 10, 20 years from now. And the purposefulness of this woman who just said, I will, I will make sure and I will deliver and put into God's hands and into this house. I got to tell you, you need to secure some things right now and put them into God's hands. You need to, you need to say, I'm not going to let this just be wandering out there and, and let anything that comes along push it and shove it. I want to know that it's in the hands of God. When we were, when we were out at camp this year, we were trying to get ready, uh, <laughs> and I had this great idea. Let's put rocks on the stage. And we called the theme, I can't remember, it had something to do with, for youth camps, stones or stepping stones to God. I don't remember. There was a theme. Anybody remember? I can't remember. It's been since July. So I decided we need real stones on the pulpit. Just, you know, stones. 
So we went down to the creek the day, a couple days before camp. You know, we're trying to get all set up. And so I called a couple of the young men out. I think Brother Devin was out there, Brother Jake Sluice, and Brother Jared, or a couple, of, a few of the young men I can still kind of harass and slap around and make lift stuff. And so we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to secure these big boulders. Now, <laughs> we, we, were, we were really trying to get these boulders to the sanctuary. But we were just kept running into problems of what could get these boulders, you know, because we couldn't use cars down by the creek. And, of course, campgrounds is just a, a, a golf cart heaven. It's just out there, you know. So we're trying to put them on golf carts, and we're getting rocks down a few ways. You know, a couple feet, rocks are falling off the back of golf carts, and golf carts are sagging. You know, we're trying to move these boulders, and we're out there in the creek lifting boulders. And it was just a hilarious thing in the first place to try and get stones on. But finally, it just got so annoying that we couldn't get these rocks tied down and moved. We couldn't get them secured. I mean, big rocks, they were just, they were too heavy to move the cart. Or they, we'd get one up on there on the cart, and it'd be all wet and slimy, and it'd fall off. And we just, we got so frustrated and tired. It was just wearing us out. And somebody got the great idea. There is one of those big things called a bobcat or a tractor with a big shovel on it. And so they went and got that, and they drove it down, and they just set that thing right there in the creek, and we just kind of pushed her right next to it, and we just started pushing those rocks and lifting that thing, picked them up, and it secured them, and we started moving them within just a few minutes out. I mean, you know, rocks are not fun to move in the first place. And when you're messing with golf carts and all this stuff and the frustrating thing, and you just, they're slipping off, it was just, but when we got the right tool and the right thing to secure them, I'm telling you, the whole process changed. And I want to tell you something, the frustration in our lives, the frustration with what we battle, the frustration when we're trying to figure out where it's going to go is because we've not secured it to the right thing. We've not secured it with prayer. We've not secured it with saying, God, it's in your hands. We've not secured it with commitment. Can I tell you, you want it to belong to God, then you need to secure it with some things that are right. You'll try and slip around with, with uh, complacency and, and it'll just be a mess and you'll be just trying to get it in and get it'll fall out and it's just a mess. But when you make a commitment and say, God, not only am I telling you, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to get the right method this time. I'm going to do it right. I'm committing to you. God, this is in your hands then things are going to begin to change and the frustration will go away and you'll stop worrying about it and you'll stop losing sleep about it and you'll say, God, it is in your hands. Because first of all, we got a God that's able to do the miraculous. He's able to keep your family, keep your life, keep your ministry, keep your hopes, keep your dreams, take care of your failures. That's our God. But you determine what belongs to God. And I tell you, this is just a simple Wednesday night. But if there's something that you're wrestling with, if there's something that the devil's trying you with, and, and, and just the trial of life. How many know there are trials of life? And there's things that come at us, and you just get, feel like that labeling process, and all these things are coming. I've come to tell you, you just say, God, this is in your hand. You get a conviction about it. You get a commitment about it. You get something that says, I will not pull it out every once in a while when I'm feeling. I'm putting it into your hands. God, you're able to do it. You're able to take care of it. You've got to put it into his hands and put it into his hands now. Quit messing with you. It's going to just cause you trouble and it's going to cause you heartache. But if you'll say right now, I like this lastly about the woman. They told her in verse 18, behold, when we come into thy land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window. Now. I think there was a while before they came back. The interesting thing is they told us, when we come back, make sure you put that line. But here's what she did. The Bible says in verse number 21, and she said, according to your words, and when she sent them away and they departed, and she 
found the scarlet line in the window. I think she could have waited. I'm not trying to make more of the scripture than is there. But it seems like she said, now you're telling me before you get back, put this in. But the moment she kicked him out the door, she was looking for some red scarlet. And she was saying she was looking for some thread. And I'm, I'm trying to find something. She went to the window and immediately tied it in. You need to give God attention to what you want to belong to him now. Don't let it go to the, to, to the distance. I'm telling you, too many distractions, too many things come in and hinder. People walk away from God holding on to a thread that they said, I'm going to tie this someday. I'm going to take care of this someday. And all the while, they're just distracted by everything you need to tie it to the window of your house and say God it's yours now it's right now that I give it to you no more messing around this belongs to you now so I ask you in closing what is it that you want God to do he's a big enough God and there ain't nothing like being on God's side when you've determined to give him something and God shows up can I tell you when God anoints me to preach I, I, I just I, I almost go home and, and Crystal would tell you this my wife would tell I get so excited if God uses me because it's like come on Lord that was awesome you did what I couldn't imagine when God uses me in some manner and somebody comes and we see somebody baptized and something I think God come on that's you that's you doing that I, I, I know sometimes it's our efforts and all that stuff but God does miracles when God does something in our family and and right now he's doing just a little something here or there I could tell you I won't take time and and I know that it's just like come on God you're doing that thank you Lord tied around because we got a God big enough to do it Did you hear about that pirate ship that that attacked they attacked the ship did you hear about this it was just a great story I was reading pirate ship probably a couple months ago in October last October last maybe September they attacked the ship and they were ready to board and everything and all of a sudden they got a little too close and when they were ready to pull out the guns and do all that they're doing all that they look up and it is a French Navy ship and you've got to imagine the French Navy going, you kidding me? You realize who you're messing with? And they got about close enough, and they went, oh, boy. And they just turned around. I think that if I remember the story, I don't know if it's correct, but the Navy caught them and caught some of the people and, you know, took them in. And so these pirates just driving up thinking, we got you, we got you. I wish the devil would kind of drive up into your life tonight after you leave. And, and, and he's, been, he's been nagging you about that one thing, and he's been telling you, you know, I got that. I got this. I got that. And you'd say, oh, come here. I want to show you where I put that. Would you like to come see the ship that that's on? I put it in the hands of God. Why don't you mess with him a little while? Why don't you mess with that a little bit? Because you ain't messing with me anymore on this. I'm not getting, I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm not going to let it frustrate me. I've put it into the hands of God. And I've come to tell you just simply tonight, you determine what belongs to God. The circumstance doesn't. The trial doesn't. The devil doesn't. You determine. You say, God, it's in your hands. And when you do that, God says, come on, it's in the camp of Israel. I like that about that woman. She just realized, my house is just like the camp out there. What's ever in here, he's going to protect like he is out there. When he parted the Red Sea, he might as well just have done it in my house right here because that's the God that I serve. That's the God that I put my trust in. And she just kind of had that feeling, I'm going to put everything in this house. I wish you'd make up in your mind to do that. Just say, God, sometimes I get distracted and take little things out of your control. But I've come to tell you one more time. This, it's going into your house. This, it's going into the house. This, it's going into the house. This is God's house. This is what belongs to him. My life, my ministry, my finances, everything about me belongs to God. Well, let him take control. Would you stand with me? I don't know how you normally close, and I'll let you come to the music if you do that or
let somebody come and close the service. But I just wish you'd take a moment to pray. How many know the Lord's just ministered to us for a moment here tonight? Feel the strength of the word. Would you just lift your hands right now as we close and just ask God to help you to be determined to put things, just that labeling process, it, it doesn't ever go away, but you can defeat its effect in your life. Let's do that right now. Lord, we come to you right now. We feel your presence. We feel your spirit. Thank you for the word that's anointed. God, I thank you for helping us and strengthening us through your word tonight. I do trust you. I do look to you, God, in my own life. And now that I've preached to these people, I pray that you'd help them to just put some things in your hands, God, that maybe are struggling with, that maybe just embattle their minds through the week, just keep them from having a peace. God, you're in control. You're in control of our lives, Jesus. You're in control of every part. Help us to determine, God, what to put in your house. You deserve it. God, you're able.